Hello and welcome to Embassy City Church Podcast. This is a place where all people can experience the love of God through the Word of God. Our prayer is that you will be inspired and transformed. Thank you for joining us today. If you have your Bibles, toss them up in the air. Let's make some declarations. Let's go, okay? Real, real high, real, real loud. The first time, that way I don't have to go louder. Repeat after me. Today. Yeah. That's awesome. You guys got loud the first time. Today, the Holy Spirit is going to speak to me about redefinitions. After today, I will know and fully understand that there are some things in my life that God wants to redefine. After today, I will have a new definition for my name. After today, I will have a new definition for my life. After today, I will have a new definition for my family, for my friends, for my finances. It starts today. So today, today, everything gets redefined. Let's go. That's what I'm talking about. I love your energy this morning. Y'all are ready for it. I want you to go to the book of Genesis chapter number 17. The book of Genesis chapter number 17. If you're taking notes on this message, the title of this message, the first message in this series is renaming you for more. Renaming you for more. If you, if you want to make it more personal, you can write it down uh, uh, as renaming me for more. There's more in me that God wants to get to me and through me. And so he renames me for more. Genesis chapter number 17, starting uh, at the first verse, it says this. uh, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Period. I love the fact that there's a period. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. At this, Abram fell face down on the ground. Then God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you. From generation to generation, this is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God 
and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give the entire land of Canaan where you now live as a foreigner to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever and I will be their God. That's so good. Renaming you for more. Bow your heads. Let's pray over the word, shall we? Holy Spirit, rename us. We give you permission. Amen. I want you to think about a, a, a relationship that started with a man who is 75 years old. Abraham and the relationship that he comes into with God is absolutely profound to me and goes against all of our uh, studies that we have on reaching a generation for Christ. We, we, we have all of the, the, the metrics and the, and, and the studies that say that, that if we don't reach a person for Jesus between the ages of like 18 and 25, then, then the, the chances of them coming to know God are, are exponentially decreased because the, the, the younger you get them into a, a relationship, the, longer, the, the younger that they're introduced, into such a relationship, then uh, the better chances they have of a long relationship with God. And <laughs> the father of our faith goes against the, in, goes against the entire trend uh, 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 with, with great, great disdain. God's like, I don't need your metrics. I can introduce myself to anybody I want, when I want, how I want. And he decides to start the covenant relationship. The covenant relationship we all, we all enjoy now was started with a man who should have been too old to change his ways. The age, the age old adage is that, that you cannot teach an old dog. So how? You didn't go get a 20 year old. You didn't get to get a 15-year-old to change a generation and start a legacy. You started with a 75-year-old man set in his ways, had money, had possessions, had wealth, had a fine wife. She was so fine, he lied everywhere he went about her because he just didn't want to wind up in a fight everywhere he showed up. Who is this? My sister, man. Just calm down. I don't want to wind up in a fight over her. 75 years old, God introduces himself to a 75-year-old man and simply says to him, leave your father's country and follow me. He could have said no. He had the option to say no. But he decides to obey this voice a voice that was unfamiliar to him, going in a direction that was completely unfamiliar to him because he had lived 75 years practicing religious traditions passed on from his father. But somewhere on the inside of him, he had to know that none of this was working. 
that for all of the idols that we have and for all of the practices that we have, there is something that's still missing. And he hears a voice that's completely different from anything he ever experienced in his religious practices. In my mind's eye, I see it as him having these idols up that he always talked to, but they never talked back. Isn't it amazing that we can we can set something above us as our object of affection and desire, but it we do everything for it. It does nothing for us. God speaks about idols in, in the Old Testament, and he talks about how foolish it is to to serve them by saying uh, you're the one that has to cut down the tree. You're the one that has to carve out the wooden image. You're the one that has to create the very idol that you're going to bow down and worship. He said, how is that a God? You had to create it. You had to decorate it. You had to put it up. You have to keep it up. You have to maintain the entire relationship. That sounds exhausting. God says, I want to come into a relationship with you. And and here's what I want you to do. I just want you to go in the direction that I'm calling you to go in. And here's what I want to tell you. I'm going to bless you because of it. I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make your name great. And all the nations on earth will be blessed through you if you would just follow me. Abram does it when he's 75 years old. And for 24 years, he's walking around trying to figure out this relationship with his God. I want to talk to you about the patience of God. I want to talk to you about the fact that God, God will wait on you a long time. Even when you're in a relationship with him, he will wait on you a long time before he even asks you to reciprocate the covenant he decided to go in with you in the first place. When we read Genesis chapter number 17, it is 24 years after he had experienced this call from God. And God calls to him 24 years later after Moses, after Abram has done a lot of stuff in his own strength and tried to do it his own way. He comes in 24 years later and says, "Okay, now I want to pick up the conversation that we've been having for the last 24 years. I'm going to bless you. And the way that I'm going to bless you is going to completely change your entire life. But I will not bless you with this name. You've been walking around with the name that does not have the capacity to hold what I want to give you. You've been walking around with a mindset that does not have the capacity to even open up to believe what I want to give you. So before we go a step further, I have to redefine you. You've had a definition and a way that you have gone about your life. But in this season, I have to redefine you. I have to define you again so that you can have the capacity to be and believe for this season that I've called you to. And this needs to happen for for all of us at various ages and stages of our life. We had thousands of, of, of what are now young adults just graduate from high school. There are some redefining moments that need to happen for them. They need to get a job. This whole you stay in this house 18 years and get everything provided for you is O-V-E-R. 
You're going to be redefined as an employee at Starbucks. No more wash the dishes, get an allowance. I need you out my pocket. It's time for you to go and find something else to do with your life. It's a redefinition. You could be uh, uh, in the middle of your life and have a career uh, change. You have to now redefine who you are going to be in this season of your life. We've had several people get married in here in the last 12 months. Well, now there's a redefinition. You are no longer single. You are no longer dating. Saying husband and wife still feels a little foreign rolling off the tongue. But you married. You said I do. And that person is there. In the house, they don't go home anymore. They get in the same bed as you, woke up in the same bed as you. And there are some redefining moments that are now happening in your life. You come into a relationship with God, it's a redefining. You have to redefine what relationships look like now in context to your relationship with Christ. You have to redefine the type of person you're going to be now that you have a revelation that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. Things get redefined. Defined. Abram had been on a journey with the Lord for 24 years. And God is so patient that he said, before we go any further, I've waited 24 years, but you can't go past this point with that name. Here's the thing that I love, that he waited 24 years before he even suggested another name. God's patient with you. There's some things that he's not going to break in you for like another 10 years. And you're going to think your relationship is so fine with the Lord right now, like, oh, everything's great. Every time I have my quiet time, he just descends. There's little gold dust and feathers that come out of the air vent. No, you have a dead bird that was covered in glitter. That's what that is. Check your chimney, right? No, no, God is so patient that he will wait until key moments in your life to go, hey, I want to talk about this. And you're like, I've been saved for two decades. How come you didn't bring this up earlier? I was just waiting. You weren't ready. I I, I need to take you slow. Think about it. God was going to always change Abram's name. How come he didn't introduce himself in Genesis chapter number 12 and say, hey, listen now. I'm about to change your name. I want you to follow me. God goes one thing at a time. I want you to get used to the unfamiliar first. So just follow me. I I want you to get used to what worship really looks like with a God that actually talks back. I'm going to give you years to practice that. Knowing all along, this man doesn't have the capacity to receive what I want to give him with that name. So after 24 years, he comes up to him and he says, Uh, I'm going to bless you. I'm reaffirming that. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. There's going to be a multitude of descendants that come out of you. But what's more, I'm changing your name. I am redefining who you are for this next season that you're about to step into. You cannot be the same person and you cannot see yourself the same way. 
Abram's name literally means high father, exalted father. And here's what God is thinking. Great name. But, but what's the use of being exalted if you don't leave a legacy? What's the use of, of, of being highly honored when you don't have anyone to pass it on to? God never blesses us for merely us. God, God never gives a blessing or bestows a grace just so it can benefit us. He is always looking for it to benefit someone else besides you. He says, I have to change your name. I'm changing your name to Abraham. This, 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 this addition, this ham, literally is a, 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 a breath of God on a name. It, it, it's God saying, I'm going to breathe on your life so that you can be prepared and redefine for more. Now, I, I, I got I to go slow with these three points because uh, uh, I'm so excited about them. But there's three things I want you to understand that comes with this redefining uh, that, that allows Abram to be the person that he has called him to be. Point number one, please write this down. God's covenant comes with a guarantee. God's covenant comes with a guarantee. God is the initiator of the covenant. God is the maintainer of the covenant. God is the keeper of the covenant. The only thing that he wants from you in reciprocity is obedience. But he doesn't really need anything more than that. If you came up with the covenant, you would have to sustain it and you would have to maintain it. And we're not strong enough to do that. So God is the one that introduces the covenant and he's the one that's going to maintain it. He's the one that's going to keep it. And I'm, I'm telling you, when God goes into covenant, it always comes with the guarantee. Now, I'm excited about this next passage. If my voice gets elevated, you're going to have to deal with that. There's no time that I've been able to read these scriptures uh, uh, in, the, in the book of Hebrews that I just don't get completely amped. OK, in Hebrews chapter number six. Starting at the eighth verse, here's what it says. And, and the writer of Hebrews, I can't wait to meet him. We don't know who he is. But when I get to heaven, I'm going to be like, writer of Hebrews, come through. Show thine self. You are illy with the pen, yo. That means he's really good at writing. Okay. <laughs> Hebrews 6, starting at the 13th verse. For example... There was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name. Can I just stop right there? That's just, you see what I'm saying? It's too dope. I can't go fast on this. Can you imagine God coming to you and saying, I'm going to go into a covenant with you and I guarantee that it's going to happen. And you go, how are you going to prove it? And God goes, Well, I mean, there's nobody I can actually, uh, you know, most people, when they swear, they swear to me. Um, who am I going to swear by? I grew up in, 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 in uh, uh, southern Los Angeles, okay? Uh, southern California, okay? I was born in Inglewood, California. Then we uh, moved to, to West Covina. It was all in the suburbs of uh, that same area. 
and when I grew up with my friends, uh, whenever they wanted to see if you were telling the truth about something, uh, what they would say is, put that on something. I don't know if you've ever heard these words, but, but, but these are the words that they would say to us. They would say, put that on something. And, and by saying put that on something, what they were saying is, if you're telling the truth, put it on something that you love. So then, so, so then uh, if somebody challenged you by saying, put that on something, you would say, I'll put that on my mama. <laughs> well, if you put something on your mama, you're telling the truth because ain't nobody going to blow up their mama. <laughs> ain't nobody going to blow up their mama, right? Now, you knew somebody was lying when they said something like, when you said, put that on something, they said, I put that on my bike. And you were like, man, you don't even, your bike is broke. You don't even, you lying, bro. No, I'm serious. No, you're not. Put it on something. My toys. Okay, no, you lying, bro. You lying. But if somebody said, I put that on my mama, they had to be telling the truth because nobody's going to blow up their mama. And it's so funny now that I'm older and I look back on like these little colloquialisms and these and, and, and these idioms that we had. I'm like, but how is your mama going to really blow up, though? <laughs> don't blow up your mama. Like, how? <laughs> I don't know. God didn't have anybody to put it on except himself. So he came into a relationship with Abram, guaranteed he was going to bless him and said, I don't have anybody's name to swear by except my own. I don't have anybody to put it on except myself. So I swear by my own self that I'm going to do exactly what I told you I was going to do. So he gave his word, then he put it on himself. Nasty. I will certainly bless you and I will multiply your descendants by beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently. And he received what God had promised. Now, when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Can I just stop right there? If God said he was going to bless you, we need to take the posture of Abraham and just wait patiently. I don't care if it comes this year, next year, 20 years from now. If God said he was going to do it, he is going to do it. He cannot lie. It's impossible for him to do it. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. Ah, so good. He's, he's going to bless you. And you need to believe that. God is going to bless me. Put your hand on your chest just like this and do just like me. God is going to bless me. Again, God is going to bless me. Louder, God is going to bless me. Again, God is going to bless Till you believe it. God is going to bless me. One more time, God is going to bless me. Listen, you need to hold on to that. 
You got to hold on. I don't care what you are going through in your life right now. You need to hold on to this promise. It is unchanging. He cannot lie. He is not playing with your emotions. Whatever you think you're going through right now, you can feel like you're a thousand miles away from the promise that he gave you. I'm telling you by tomorrow, you'll be 999 miles away because he's moving you in the direction of your promise and your obedience is all you need to get there. <laughs> Point number two, write this down. God redefines you to remind you. Bars. <laughs> Couldn't resist. God redefines you to remind you. Here's what it says in uh, 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 Genesis 17, verse number five. What's more, I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. God, 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 God redefines you to remind you. He says, I'm going I'm, to I'm change the name, and I'm going to change the definition of your name, because it's not enough that I'm going to give you a prophetic word. Abram already had that. He had that in Genesis chapter number 12. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to bless you and, and make you famous, make your name great, and you will be a blessing to, to your family and others for generations. He already knew that. But then he brings it on his own name and says, now you will be called Abraham. And by being called Abraham, he changed his name from exalted or high father to the father of many nations. And here is why that was uh, important. Because now every time Abraham heard his name, it was a prophetic word being declared to him. If his wife called him, it was a reminder of his prophecy. If his servants called him, it was going to be a reminder of his prophecy. If his son called him, it was going to be a reminder of his prophecy. Abraham, every time he got called, Abraham, father of many nations, that's you. Well, you, you don't even have you don't even have the son of the promise yet, but you're the father of many nations, though. Every time I see you, you know, you're the father of many nations. Abraham, you know, you're the father of many nations. You know, God's going to bless you, right? You know, that promise is going to be delivered, right? You did. You do know that God swore by his own name. You know, it's coming, right? Every time his name was called, he was being reminded of what God wanted to do in and through him. He redefined him to remind him. And some of you all need to be reminded today about how much God loves you and how much his promises are for you. You need to be reminded of that every time you wake up in the morning. That God, you, you, you're going to bless me. That, that, that you are for me. That you have some things to give to me. And if I'm patient, it's all coming. I was... Uh, 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 in California when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, 1996. January 14th is when I gave my life to Christ. 18 months later, I moved to Texas. I got on a Greyhound bus on June 24th. I arrived about 11.30 at night on June 26th. The Greyhound bus is slow. Not only do they have breaks for you to relieve yourself, 
they have smoking breaks. So this bus is just pulling over on the side of the road to let people smoke. And I'm sitting in that bus going, why? <laughs> Get me to Texas now. So I'm so scarred. That's why I fly everywhere now. If it's over four hours, plane. Like, I don't even. Everybody's like, oh, it'll be great to see the trees. No. <laughs> Saw all my trees on a bus. With about 22 people that like to smoke. No more. Plane. Irrum. We get to. We get in the bus and I got three suitcases, $400 to my name, a one-way Greyhound bus ticket. And, and, and this prophetic word that, that God's going to bless me. I have this prophetic word that, that God wants to use me to reach nations, that I'll be preaching to thousands, all this kind of stuff. And I, and I had it all written down in my journal. And, and, and I'm 21 years old on a Greyhound bus with three suitcases to my name, uh, three suitcases and $400 to my name riding across the country with a green spiral notebook full of prophetic words of what God wanted to do. He's been faithful to bring all those words to pass. They did not come to pass when I got to Dallas on June 26, 1997. That bus door opened up. I stepped off that bus. I grabbed my three suitcases. And I was so California. <laughs> I had on tube socks with sandals. That's right. That's how we do. <laughs> had some shorts on my little shirt. And, and I grabbed my stuff and put it in my great uncle James car. It's my grandfather's brother. And he drove me to his house in Oak Cliff. And I am, I am staying in one of their spared, bear, spare bedrooms with a word from God. And it didn't happen on June 27, 1997. It didn't happen June 28, 1997. I got a job at CarMax, the auto superstore. As a car salesman, I was the worst car salesman you ever met. Because, because people would show up and be like, hey, I want to get this car. I'd be like, yeah, it's right there. Get it. I walk over there to them, open the door, let them get in it. And they were like, man, well, I've been doing some comps and the, 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 the car at AutoNation is $4,000 less and has, you, you know, 3,000 less miles. And I'm like, why are you here then? <laughs> Better get over there and get that car. I sold two cars in 90 days. The sales manager said, hey, 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 uh, I'm going to need you to, you need to find something else to do, bro, or you're not going to have a job. I didn't get mad and say, I'm supposed to be preaching to nations anyway. Why don't you let me have a revival here? See how that turns out, sir. The only thing God needed from me was obedience. So I have heard people, I have had people ask me this question the last 18, 19 years that I've been uh, in the Metroplex. Hey, uh, well, it's been over 20 now. They, they would say, hey, uh, uh, how, how have you uh, uh, been able to, to, to how, how have you found your success in ministry? I was obedient to the first thing God told me to do. He said, get on the bus. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then how did this happen for you? Same obedience. 
That's the only thing that he needs for me to, 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 to reciprocate the covenant. He says, I'm going to do everything. Only thing I need you to do is do whatever I tell you to do. I'm going to hold up everything. You don't have to hold it. Tim, you can't hold up nothing. I mean, and that's just the truth. I can't hold up anything, but he can hold up everything. And there was a redefining moment over and over again at every stage of my life where God says, okay, now you're going to stop doing that and start doing this. Now you're going to stop doing that, and I'm, re- I'm, I'm redefining you now. I'm redefining you now. You are no longer an evangelist that travels all over the place. You're a lead pastor now. Stay home. I'm redefining you. Every season, God comes back and says, now let me tell you who you are now. <sighs> That's what the breath of God is. <sighs> he blows on you and changes the definition of you. Abra, <sighs> you will no longer be the same person after I... <sighs> just need to breathe on you. The breathing changes the definition and the change definition makes you see things a different way. And I want you to imagine how prophetic Abraham had to carry this. Can you imagine Abraham walking around going, yeah, I'm going to be the father of a lot of people. Woo! Count the stars. Can't do it, can you? That's right. Those are my kids. Go count the, 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 the individual sand grains on the seashore. Can't do it, can you? That's right. Those are my family members. Abram, you got one child with your maid. Isaac wasn't born yet when he told him this. You got one child with your maid. What you about to do? Abraham didn't just carry it for himself. He carried it for those that was coming after them. I try to stress this all the time. Your obedience in this season might be what someone reaps three generations from now. This can't be all about you. You can't make it all about you. I got to stay on this real quick. I don't know who this is for. But, But you cannot allow your selfishness to block my blessing. You cannot allow your selfishness to block your children's blessing, to to, to block your employees' blessing, to to block your employer's blessing. God is giving you something so that you can give it to someone else. It's not just for you. He's never done it. So he, he redefines you to remind you. Point number three, and then we're done. God is redefining you. Oh, I'm already, I jumped into it. This is, yeah, sorry. No, I'm not sorry. Deal with this. God is redefining you so he can redefine them. That's what I was getting to. God is redefining you so he can redefine them. Here's what he says. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God, right? And the God of your descendants after you. Here's what he said. I want to redefine you in this season so I don't have to redefine them in theirs. I'm redefining you so you can can hold on to the covenant that I gave you. But when they're born, they're just going to walk right into the covenant that I've made with you. I I, I won't have to redefine them. I'm blessing you in your season so that I can give them something that they can just call their own. And it's, it, it is particularly important when you're the first to do it. Some of you all in this room, you're the first to break generational curses in your family. 
You're the first to break a poverty mindset. You're, you're the first to break a spirit of divorce in your family. You're, you're the first to break uh, 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 low self-esteem or maybe depression and suicide. If you're the first to break it, the enemy's coming after you the hardest. But if you break it in your generation, your kids and your kids' kids get to walk into something that they know not of. They're just walking in something like, you know what? It's always been like this. Right. And when y'all show up to the family reunion, you will know who broke it and who didn't. Your kids will come up to you like, mommy, I'm scared. Is this. Are we at the right. Are we in the right place? Because our cousins don't kind of look like us. They talk differently. They're weird. No, my, 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 my parents, my, my mother was born in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, d during, during the civil rights era. My father lived in, uh, was born and raised in Dallas. Uh, their, their segregation was real in, in their day. I remember when I told my daddy where I was living when I moved to Texas, he said, I've never been there. He said, we couldn't go there when I was, when I was your age. Well, we broke something. <laughs> we broke a barrier, right? And then now I have kids. Do you know my kids don't know what a hood is? If you walked up to Nathan or Noah right now and said, hey, man, you from the hood? They would be like, uh, no, it's hot today. So I didn't wear a hoodie. My kids are so African-American suburban. It is absolutely ridiculous. They have no idea what a hood is. If we went to my family reunion right now, they would both be behind me peeking over like, really? We got gangsters in our family, daddy. I've only seen them in the movies. My kids are suburbanites. But both of my parents moved to California and decided that the, 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 the racial uh, 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 information that was, being, that, that was being pounded on in this country was not gonna be the way they raised their kids. So they broke it and moved to a nice neighborhood with a swimming pool. We had a swimming pool growing up. You don't get to have a swimming pool we was, we, we was the only, everybody was at our house to go swim. We had a, not, I'm not talking about a, 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 a inflatable above ground swimming pool. <laughs> Some of you, that's the only picture you have. Of course, of course. We get it from Walmart. Took six hours to fill. No, 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 no. I'm talking about a pool, in ground chlorine tablets pool. They broke something, expanded our mind. They put us around different ethnicities. So when we grew up, we saw the world differently. Then I moved to Texas. And when I got to Texas, everybody was still living their lives based on the segregated lines that happened two generations prior. All the black people was off 20, all the white people was north of 635, all the Hispanics was off of 30. <laughs> Y'all know, right? And all the Asians were in the cut servicing everybody. <laughs> Hair products for you, Chinese food for you, right? And, and, and I just said, no, let's break something here so that our kids, 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 kids can have something in their generation that looks completely different. God wants to bless you.
So, so that's it for today. I, 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 want, I, want, I want you this month to let God redefine you. I want you to open up your heart to the possibility that where you are right now and how you think right now may not be where God wants you to be to receive what he wants to give you in this season. I know I'm speaking prophetically to some people. God wants to breathe on your name and he wants you to see things in a different way. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, it's too late. No, it's not too late. Abraham was 75. And if he could do it for Abram at 99, Think about it. He, 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 he got into a relationship with God at 75, but his name got changed at 99. Can you imagine you've been living 99 years with a name? And now all of a sudden it get, you get renamed at 99? What? Here's what God is saying. You're never too old to change. Ooh, I don't know who this is for. I feel it. You are never too old to change. Setting your ways is an excuse that the enemy uses for you not to change. You're not setting your ways. You're stubborn. You are not setting your ways. You have pride. And if you allow him to address those roots, then you can have a change that you never thought possible. And it could be the difference between a generational curse and a generational blessing. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you would like more information on our church, please go to www.embassycity.com. We would love to hear from you. Our prayer is that you have been inspired and transformed. Have a wonderful day and come back again.